Well, my name is As, if you haven't met me, um, with Beck. We are the service pastors here. And if you're new here, you are more than welcome. Um, feel free to come along every Sunday. I just believe this is the place you need to be on a Sunday. God wants to speak to you. He wants to challenge you. He wants to take you on a journey. And, you know, I, I just know wholeheartedly that today uh, it's going to be another day where God is going to bring us to a place of challenge. But hopefully it'll be a place where you grow in your faith. And um, today... Uh, I want to have a quick chat with us. Uh, just a quick question. Who likes running? Anyone? Is anyone like a runner? Like they run all the time. They go running. Okay, a few people. Who just occasionally likes walking if you have to? Okay, right. So the rest of us, okay. I'm not much of a runner. And um, as you're looking at me going, yeah, we can tell. And so um, I'm not much of a runner. Um, I discovered that I'm not a runner at a very young age. I just never liked running, never been good at running. When I start to run, I feel like I've got tree trunks, like, you know, real heavy legs made of concrete. And uh, running's just not for me. I don't mind swimming. Anyone like swimming? Yeah, I don't mind swimming, but running just isn't for me. And, um, you know, when I see someone run, though, because I did try to run for a while, I got to a stage where I could run for five kilometers without stopping. And uh, I was like, that's pretty, yeah, thank you. Um, and I remember when I got to this achievement of 5Ks, I'd stop and I'd go, I'm so bored and just walk all the way home. Like, I'm like, what's the point of this? I don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, but now when I see people running on the side of the road, like, I honestly, I don't know what it is within me. Every time I see someone running, I just want to wind down my window and go, keep going. You know, I want to cheer them on. Go, you can do it, right? But you don't want to scare them to run into traffic. So you, you don't want to do that. Um, in fact, I actually used to hate running even more when I was at school. I just... the, the the greatest nightmare for me was when I'd go to assembly and my principal would get up and go, okay, students, in two weeks is the cross country. You know what I'm talking about. Some people are like, oh my gosh, yes. Just flashbacks. And I would just be like, oh no, like this is the worst time. And my school in particular was notorious for cross country. It was actually where the regionals for Queensland got held because our track was so bad. Like it was just like massive mountains and hills. It was just like, oh my gosh. And so on cross country day, me and my mate, we kind of had one goal. Like it was me and my best mate. We both were rubbish at running. I was kind Kind of like the short chubby kid and he was the tall chubby kid you know so we kind of just didn't really love to do this but we had one goal on cross country and that was to make it to a certain point on the track I like to call it the point of disappearing <laughs> you got to understand that the track that was built on our school was that the start was a 400 meter run around our oval and uh, that's where everyone stood to applaud and all the family and the teachers and the other students you know you'd have to go around the oval before you got to go off a bit of a, a lip down into this gully and so me and my mate we would just decide every time we've just got to make it to the gully and so the gun would go off and we would charge and run and sprint as hard as we possibly could and we'd get to the edge of the oval, we'd dip down into the valley, into the gully, no one could see us and we'd go, <gasps> and we'd stop and we'd go, kill me now and we'd just start to walk because no one could see us. And so today, I want to challenge us as a church that we aren't a church where... We run on Sundays, but we walk on weekdays. We charge really hard while we're being watched and seen, but the second we get into the place of disappearing, we stop our faith walk. And so that's my challenge today. 
I'm also hoping today this will be actually a time of growth for us that, you know, like who knows why I could never ever get beyond the 400 metres. I hadn't trained. I had no training. I just rocked up on the day and went, yeah, I can run 5Ks, never run anything in the week or the weeks prior. And who knows that when you want to do something well, you've got to train. Who has a PT? Anyone have a PT here? Personal trainer? Keeps you going? None of us? Great. Okay, no. I mean... (laughs) Good company here, all right? But we all know what personal trainers are like, aren't they? Like, they don't, you know, they don't let you stop. They're like, one more rep. Keep going. And you're like, oh, I'm going to die. But for some reason, with their champion, like, when they champion you on and they keep on encouraging you, you can get a bit further than you were before, all right? And I believe that God wants us to consistently run in our life, but he's going to call us to some challenge. He's going to call us to some challenge. And today's message is going to be challenging, But hopefully it'll actually grow you in a place where you can go, you know what, I'm going to run a little bit harder and a bit longer next time. I'm not just going to stop when people stop seeing me. You know, I was in my early 20s. I actually had this challenge brought to me um, by my pastor at the time. I didn't like hearing it. um, But my pastor took me aside and he said, you know, as following Jesus isn't a sprint but a marathon. God isn't looking for religious moments but instead a life of longevity and consistent jogging. And I remember thinking, okay, God doesn't want us just to be sprinters until we're not seen. He wants us to do what's right when no one's watching. To live a life of conviction through our week. Every day we wake up and go, God, what is it that you want for me? A few back, uh, weeks back, we heard the prophet Amos, the words of his, came out of his uh, mouth to the Israelites. And he said this, God cries out again, pursue good and not evil so that you may live. You know, there's no doubt that God is stirring our church. Who feels that, right? There's no doubt. I didn't mention it in the last message, um, in the last service, but I got a really clear image and I was like, God, is that, is, that, is that what you're saying? And in the second service in worship when we were singing, um, you know, th- that song at the end there, um, I really felt the Spirit just gave me a clear image of this fresh wind. And it was amazing. When Beck spoke, instantly it was like God's saying, yeah, that's what you saw as. It was very clear. She said, there's just a breeze coming. You know, like from the, from, the, um, from the bay, it's like this little breeze, right? And in the first service, as I was worshiping, God got me, just gave me a picture of this massive storm cloud coming in from out of the bay. And it was rolling in, just was rolling in and it stopped right on the edge of the bay and God said I want to bring the fresh wind but you're going to have to do something first and I feel like this is the message you need to hear okay strap yourself in Hebrews 12 is where we're going to start this message Um, this is a really famous passage of scripture and I'm going to read it because we need to run with endurance we need to keep going with our faith. We, don't need, we can't quit. We have to keep going even when times get tough. It says this, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let's, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to read it again because I want you to actually let this sort of just resonate within your spirit. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, 
Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What a thought. For a moment, think about it. Since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. You know, when we read this, I want us to be thinking about this, that the large cloud of witnesses are yelling out, keep running, keep running, keep running. You know, when I read this, I actually get the picture of the oval at the start of the race. All the family and friends and those supporting, they're cheering, keep going, as, and I'm going until the edge. But these cloud of witnesses are around us all the time. And if you're wondering who these cloud of witnesses are, I think sometimes we can think, oh, is that like my grandparent or someone who's gone before me? Or what is that? But Paul actually writes about this cloud of witnesses in chapter 12, and chapter 11, sorry. And I want to go there because you've got to understand something. There were those that have gone before us to pave the way for where we are right now. And, um, you know, we have this cloud of witnesses that's championing, uh, championing us as well as cheering us on. In chapter 11, I just want to read the first verse right now. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Before I go any further, every week I'll say this, I want you to read your Bible. You know, you want a PT session with faith? You want to grow? Get this, there's always a little bit of pain before you grow that muscle. And so there's a discipline that comes with reading the Word of God. And so I want you to go and read this this week and um, even report back to me, as this is what I got out of this passage of Scripture. Hebrews 11 is powerful. It's actually those that have gone before us in faith, a phenomenal passage of Scripture. We're going to drop down to verse 23. It says this, By faith Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. Let's just stop there for a moment. We know when Moses was around, Christ wasn't around. Like this is way before Christ. How can it drop in that he knew Christ was coming? Just so you know, Christ literally means the anointed one. Moses knew that there was an anointed one coming. He had a faith. He knew there was an anointed one. In fact, Jesus actually means to deliver or rescue. So he knew there was a rescuer, an anointed one that was going to come. And he actually lay his life down, avoided so many things that were easy options because of this idea and this faith that something was coming incredible. It says this in verse 27, by faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. He just knew that God was there. By faith he instituted the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, so the destroyer of the firstborn may not touch the Israelites. We talked about that a few weeks ago, the blood and the hyssop above the doors. He had faith, he just trusted that God spoke to him. Can you imagine in that moment, you need to do this? And you're like, people are going to think I'm weird. But he stepped out in faith and it saved a generation by that moment. It says this, by faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish 
with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? I mean, this, this passage just blows up. It says, Time is too short for me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a greater resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All of these were approved through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so they would be, not be made perfect without us. What an incredible group of people. Can you imagine if your name was dropped in that list? This is what they did in the Redlands. They didn't care what pain, whatever. They just had faith to keep running. They had faith to keep running. You know, this group of this, a cloud of witnesses were those that have gone before us. Can you imagine? They lived their entire lives believing in the anointed one, the saviour, the rescuer. But in their lifetime, until they died, they actually didn't get to receive their promise. But they held on to it anyway. They held on to it anyway. Church, don't give up. Keep running. You haven't seen your promise rock up yet? Keep running. Keep running. You know, last week, Josiah beautifully unpacked that Jesus chose the cross for us. He went to the cross for us. He didn't get put there. He chose the cross for us so that we could be set free and be in relationship with him. He talked about this future joy that Jesus talked about and that future joy was relationship with us. Powerful, powerful passage. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, just to remind you, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We heard about what Jesus did for us, but what is the challenge for us to do for Jesus? What does God call to us? What is he challenging in us? What's he trying to grow in us? What's he trying to stir in us so we can continue to keep running? What's he doing? In verse 3, Paul challenges us to respond to Jesus' sacrifice. He says this, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against him. So consider Jesus, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. He's like, hey, look what Jesus did for you. You haven't got to the point of shedding blood. Don't give up. Keep running. You know, for those that are new in our church, if you just walked in here today and you might have heard about Jesus' love, Jesus loves you with everything he has. He died on a cross for you. But when you choose to follow him, you, have to, you actually have to count the cost. You have to ask yourself, do I really want to follow Jesus? It's actually quite amazing in the scriptures. Um, it talks about when Jesus left, he kind of, you know, sent everyone out and said, follow me. And it says, this is little line, it just simply says, and some chose not to. Because they count the cost, counted the cost, and they just said, no, I can't do it. But others chose to start running. Others chose to start running. You know, God's constantly calling us back to Him. Constantly challenging us day after day. He's bringing conviction. Conviction, Holy Spirit conviction is amazing. Because it says that God's trying to get you back on track so you know where you need to run. 
And this week, I had some moments of absolute celebration in our church community where I had some people come to me and say, we're stuck in a situation we can't see a way out of. So we're going to just continue to do what we know we shouldn't do. And it was interesting at the time as a pastor, my response is, you just need to trust God, have faith. Give it back to God and allow Him to do something you can't do. I understand your circumstances here, and I understand there seems to be no way different, but God, through faith, can change your situation if you'll give it to Him. And there was a period of 24 hours where a member, these members of our church, they wrestled with it, and they were like, mm, I don't know if we can. And then in a moment, literally in a moment, they said, we're going to trust God. And I was like, wait and see what God does. You know, church, we can celebrate because I'm telling you now, within 48 hours, God showed up. I'm telling you, this situation in the last week, starting last Sunday, on Monday, by Tuesday, God had ordained and opened every door, reshifted, and you know what I got? I got a call on the phone on Tuesday night from this young guy going, God is so good. That's what Beck was talking about, that people will celebrate the goodness of God when we choose to do what's right. There's joy there. There's incredible joy there. You know, it, it will cost us something. It actually might cost us some pain this week to do what's right. But can I tell you, when you choose God's ways, the reward is so much greater. You know, sometimes God does bring discipline that brings us back to Him. We talked about that in the last couple of weeks. You know, I know that discipline in my life growing up was one of those things that was a regular. In my house, we had Mr. Spoon. Anyone have a Mr. Spoon in their house growing up? You know, or a belt or whatever. In my house, we had Mr. Spoon. And it was the form of discipline, and I know it's politically incorrect to talk about these things, but my parents, you know, discipline was a smack on the butt by Mr. Spoon. And, you know, I knew if I'd played up with my mum at home and I'd, you know, done something wrong, my mum would say, you wait till your father gets home. <laughs> Terrifying. You're like, oh, my gosh. Dad would get home. You try not to give him the, you know, eye to eye, and then finally goes... Aaron, go to your room. Now you know my real name. There you go. <laughs> and I'd sit in my room and wait for my dad. And I knew what was coming. Mr. Spoon was on his way. I'd sit there. My dad would come in. He'd sit beside me. And he'd discuss the situation that has unfolded. And he'd say, now, I'm doing this because I love you. And I'd be like, you're a sick man. That's not love. And I'd get a whack. <laughs> you know, he was actually correct in saying that he did it because he loved me, because he wanted to show me a better way. It was actually for my betterment. You know, discipline and correction keeps us running in the right direction, okay? You know, I've had some amazing conversations with people in our church over the last week. You know, as I said, I feel like there's a stirring of God's spirit stirring of God's spirit in our church the Holy Spirit is wanting to move and as I said I just see that cloud rolling in rolling in with this fresh wind coming but it's actually after a time of repentance that's when God is going to move when we wholly after him when we seek him with everything we have and I was talking to one member of our church this week and uh, she mentioned that she was reading the book of Amos because we've been going through Amos and Joel, and uh, also we went, you know, read about Jonah and these old prophets. And I love when people go, I'm reading it as, it's challenging me. And I remember, I actually said to her, I said, oh, it's pretty harsh, hey, like how harsh is Amos? And she actually responded with simply saying this. She said this to me, 
Actually, I've been receiving some correction from God in a number, number of areas in my life recently. And weirdly, I'm finding Amos encouraging during this time. For me, this is incredible. Why? Because she allowed the Holy Spirit to bring conviction and challenge her life. And as a result, like we've been talking about, when God brings conviction, not condemnation, conviction, it brings about joy. Great joy to follow him in his, in his ways. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we feel like we're being pruned or cut or, you know, we're kind of feeling like things are getting challenged in our life and we feel like it's a bit painful and you go, I don't like this. But what does the scripture say about these moments when God challenges us to come back to him and drop the stuff that's destroying us? In verse 6 of Hebrews 12, it says this, My son, do not take the Lord's discipline, discipline lightly or lose heart. When you are reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Stop there. What? Every one of his kids he punishes. Why? Because he wants the best for you. He wants to challenge. He wants to grow that muscle so you can keep running. He wants to give you the ability to keep running. It says this, um, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time. Too right. No PT session is good at the time. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet. And that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. Church, keep running. Keep running. You know, when we have to make decisions that bring Christ's glory, but make us look stupid in front of those around us because it goes against the world, do it. We're in good company when we choose to do what God calls us to. We're not alone, you know. We're not actually riding, we're not running in an isolated space where we don't have the crowds cheering us on around the oval. Because the scripture says, we have a cheer squad around us yelling, keep going, the great cloud of witnesses. They're crying out, don't quit, keep running. We are called to the race, Elevation. We are called to continue running when no one sees us. But maybe we do need to be reminded that we're being willed on by those who have gone before us. We've been championed by millions of Christians that have overcome trials before us. They are crying out. Maybe they're even crying out. We didn't have Jesus. We didn't have the Holy Spirit. You have the answer. You have the opportunity. Maybe they're crying out, don't hate discipline. Hate sin. Do what is right. Seek me and live. Be happy if you feel like God's pruning you today. Don't sit there and feel condemned because you know of the things that you know you need to let go of. Allow God to prune you. Allow God to grow you. In the scripture, it says this, John 15, 2. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You've got to understand, even if you've been a Christian and you're following God's ways, He will still prune you. He'll still keep going, you need to change that. You think you're going pretty well. He's like, I want you to change that. He'll prune you at every stage of your life. I had a moment yesterday with Beck at a cafe and I had a bad attitude with this waitress. You're like, okay, I'm seeing a theme here if you've been around. But I, I, I just was in a bad mood. I hadn't had my coffee. I took it out on her. She gave me the wrong meal. 
And I sort of just went, that's wrong. <laughs> and she was like, that's right. But I just, and Beck looked at me and she goes, that was really rude. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. And she came back and I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. You know, he prunes us in little ways. Little ways. The Holy Spirit's always bringing conviction to go, I want you to be more like Jesus. What would Jesus do? I want you to be more like Jesus. John 15, 10 says this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Understand that God brings correction and conviction, not condemnation. Why? So that your joy may be complete. Following Jesus comes at a cost. We have to lay down the sin in our lives. Lay aside every hindrance and the sin that easily, so easily ensnares us. Church, let's get free of sin. How do we do that? We fix our eyes on Jesus again. It's that simple. We lay down our lives, our selfish ambition to bring Him glory. Understand that we often don't want to hear the truth. But my prayer is that we'll never become like the church that Paul writes to in Timothy. There's a passage that I actually believe wholeheartedly. There's a lot of people that are seeking this sort of church. I think it's a mirror of our time. And I think sometimes we come into church, we don't want to hear messages like this because it challenges us. As just give me an encouragement. Well, this is encouraging because you are going to have your joy complete when you actually fulfill this. Truthfully, man, let God move in your life. But in Timothy, Paul writes, he says this, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Tell me what I want to hear, as don't, don't bring any challenge here, as Just encourage me. Scratch me you know, behind the ears, pat me on the back, tell me I'm great. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But Paul writes this, but as for you, those that are followers of Jesus, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. In other words, what Paul is writing, keep running. Keep running. When you get conviction and you have to go, God, I'm sorry, that's just you getting more strength. You are getting stronger in your faith. You have the stamina to keep going. I pray that our church will also be able to respond like Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, he writes, but to all of those who have loved his appearing, for all of those who have loved Jesus and those that have seen him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the challenge. I thank you that you discipline those that you love so that we would actually discover what it truly means to have joy in you.
God, I pray for those in our church that need that joy. There's things that have been holding back that joy because they've chosen you, but they've also chosen the stuff that's destroying them and they know. In this moment, if you've never received Jesus, you've got to understand He loves you first and foremost. He loves you so much. Like a good father, He will discipline and He will challenge. But it's so you can get back on track where you need to go in your life. He has created you for a reason and maybe you're off the tracks. He wants to get you back on the right path. And it's as simple as saying, Jesus, come into my life. Show me the way. I want to follow you and what you're all about. For those here today too that are just like, you know what? I have been sprinting on Sunday, but if I'm honest, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, (laughs) I'm walking and stumbling and not really doing so great. I want you to know something. Jesus left so the Holy Spirit could come. You cannot run without the Holy Spirit. He is your helper. He is the one that will supercharge your life to give you the strength to run in times of trial, to keep going so that you too can say, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au or alternatively, pop into our Redlands location.